That is such a chill song to have as like a walk-up song. I pictured something more like wrestling with pyrotechnics and stuff, but uh, I knew we were changing the song coming into this week because Core 52 is broken up into different four-week series. We started a new one today, and I was hoping we were going to get a more hype song out of it, but uh, we'll play some punk rock in just a second. Um, yeah, I'm Matt Limbrick. I'm the high school minister. You may recognize me from the video that played just a few minutes ago. There you go. I have a fan club. Sorry about that. Feel free to join if you want to woo too. Um, we are, all right, all right. We are looking for help. If you want to woo, we're looking for help in the high school ministry and middle school ministry to come and just uh, invest in the students. It's real simple as we kind of shared there. Just come, I say, come welcome and connect. Like just be welcoming to all students and just connect with the few that you're going to naturally connect with. We're not going to um, push outside of your comfort zones too far, but uh, I'm excited to get to speak this morning and preach. Sean is out. Yesterday was his birthday. I know that because my birthday was exactly a week before his. I am exactly one week older than our lead minister. So think about that. We have a high school minister that is older than our senior minister. You don't get that very often, so uh, it's pretty rare. But if you know me, you have probably seen this logo, this face over here that I'm going to show you. We got it on a water cup, I got it on a pair of socks, and actually I have a Christmas pair of socks, very similar, but they're red and green, and it's a slightly different deck, you know, layout. But I got MXPX socks, um, then we got, what else we got here? We got my wife's minivan, I put it on her car, because I can. I got a hat with it on it, and I got it on uh, my book bag a couple places, and if you've seen my vehicle and you've wondered, it's on the back of my Jeep, you cannot miss it. And now I've just told a lot of you how to identify me real easily in this town when I'm driving. And I just want to say if I ever cut you off in traffic or do anything rude or just bad driver, I'm sorry. I pride myself on being a good driver. And if you look up front, it's probably my wife driving. <laughs> she gave me permission to say that. It's funny. And if you wait a couple more years and somebody cuts you off in that Jeep, guys, it might be my daughter. <sighs> That's scary to think about. All right, let me try to move on from that. Um, but that face is the logo of a punk rock band called MXPX, and that is actually them in the picture with me. And I think there's probably one person impressed in this room, and that's me, and I'm okay with that. Oh, somebody else raised their hand. All right, somebody else knows. Um, but yeah, I got to meet them, thought it was really fun. So that band meant a lot to me when I came to Christ in 1996, because I was really into loud, offensive punk rock music and just being the rebellious teenager that we are sometimes. And uh, my mom bought me that cassette off the new release rack in 1995 from Family Christian Bookstore because I was in the store with her for some reason and I was like, that looks cool and crazy and has a little punk on the front. Will you buy me that? And my mom's like, yes, anything you want from this store, just find Jesus. <laughs> but that cassette and this band really just was kind of neat. When I heard that, I was like, what? There's like a like loud, ab aggressive punk rock that's Christian, like that's so cool. And so it really helped me when I came to Christ like to like embrace that and be like, I can still enjoy the music that I had tastes for and didn't have to love the Amy Grant that my mom took me to concerts for. <laughs> still have mad respect for her, but. Um, so I share all this because when looking at the calendar and the schedule coming up and I was looking at what days am I around, I was like, oh, I could do that Sunday. <gasps> and we're talking on Ephesians verse 2, 8, that's in an MXPX song, guys. Can you believe it? All right, let's listen. Play this.
So maybe you didn't catch it. It says, Ephesians verse 2.8 states, God has saved us not by works, but by grace. So what's it going to take? There's no getting through to you. I get to preach on Ephesians verse 2.8, a verse that my favorite band directly references in the first cassette, I would say CD or something, but it was a cassette, let's face it. Um, the first album I ever owned of theirs. And I have the cassette at home. I forgot to bring it, guys. I'm really sorry. I know it would mean a lot more if I was like... Um, but I want to sh- celebrate for a minute just how cool it is, the way that we encounter Scripture in our lives and engage with it and just interact with Scripture and how we have it in our hearts. Um, and so I was real when I said that the reason I know that verse is because of that song. And now it may not be word for word, but when it comes to that idea of being saved by grace and not by works, I know Ephesians verse 2, 8 states, God has saved us not by works, but by grace. Um, it's not word for word. So let's look at the actual verse 2, 8 in the NIV, if you will. Um, it says... For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. You have grace, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'll share it in this. I kind of got this idea for that. I'm going to say that a few times, that you have grace, and there's nothing you can do about it. There was a TV show called Scrubs, and a Turk's preacher at his church would say, God loves you, there's nothing you can do about it. And I was like... That's the coolest tagline ever, I think. So I decided to use that today. You have grace, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to obtain it, and there's nothing you can do to deserve it. You have grace. This book, or this verse from Ephesians, captures the whole heart of the book or letter uh, to the Ephesians. But we're not sure it was written exclusively to the church in Ephesus, because it doesn't really address like a specific church issue or question or concern. It's really just one big encouraging um, sermon, encouraging letter to the, all the churches. Uh, it may, guys, I just lost my place. Give me a second. Um, but it circulated among all the early churches. So I get to preach today from a, a verse that my favorite punk band pre- talks about and a verse that is from a book that is really just one big encouraging message to all churches. Um, it's really amazing. So Core 52, this is the central theme of the book of Ephesians, that it's all about grace and it's by grace you have been saved Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, and it's the gift of God. Grace distinguishes Christianity from all other religions. I mean, if you look at this world, if you look at the intricacy, you look at the beauty and creation, you look at the order, that you kind of come to the conclusion there has to be a creator, right? There has to be a supreme being responsible. And that question that everyone has always is, what do we have to do to gain favor, to be in the goodwill of this being? And every religion has its own answer. Maybe it's sacrifice or service or rituals or meditation. What we're going to look at today is the idea that God moved downward. Rather than us climbing upward or trying to be able to reach God on our own in any way, God made the sacrifice to achieve salvation. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not from ourselves, that it is a gift of God. So at the core of Christianity, we're saved by grace, not our own effort. It's what we're reading in Core 52, but I love this quote from a podcast I heard about two guys talking about a thesis that became a book about grace, and it jumped out to me because listening to it, he says, if you're reading your scripture, the word of God, the Hebrew Bible, with any sort of intelligence, you're going to know you're not meriting salvation as a Jew, and that's not why you are saved. You don't earn it. So hearing these guys talking all smart and stuff, then hearing somebody saying, if you're reading the Bible with any sort of intelligence, maybe you're like me, I go... I like to think I'm doing that. What else do you have to say? And so it caught my ears that if you're reading it with any sort of intelligence, we don't deserve grace. 
we don't do anything to obtain it and there's nothing we can do to deserve it, that we have grace. And in fact, if we look at what Jesus does say about our human condition, he spoke some really sad, stern words about the condition of men. He compares them to lost sheep, lost coins, prodigal sons, builders of houses on sand that are certain to be blown down and flooded away. I like to think I have more intelligence than that. Um, Men that were men in danger of an unquenchable fire. And these are the concepts that illustrate salvation as being man's deepest need. So this morning, we're also going to look at Luke 15. And so this morning, if you come out with uh, the idea of Ephesians verse 2, 8 states, God has saved us not by works, you hopefully catch that verse. But I also want you to hopefully catch on that Luke 15 is an important place to look at the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and of the lost son. This is something to store up if you're ever trying to think about it and reference it and like, oh, I want to show you the story. It's in, I know on the Bibles, you can also search down at the Bible. If you use it on an app, you can just hit search, look up prodigal, you'll find it pretty quick. Um, but in Luke 15, he tells a few parables about, God how, about how God sees us. And this is where we are compared to the lost coin, the lost sheep. And I like to say we're compared to an extremely rude son. Um, so he says, suppose there's a shepherd who has 100 sheep and he loses one. He would leave the 99 to find the one. And when he finds it, he's going to go home. He would call his friends and neighbors together and say, rejoice with me. I've found my lost sheep. And then he says, suppose a woman has 10 $300 coins and loses one. I tried to find the best conversion rate, guys, it's all over, but like it says there are 10 silver coins, and so I wanted to give a little perspective there. 10 $300 coins, and this lady loses one, and she sweeps the house looking everywhere for it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors, and she says, rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. But then he says there was a man who had two sons, and the younger son came to him and said, Dad, give me my inheritance now. Let's just pretend you're dead. I get my half of the inheritance now, and we just go our separate ways. And then the dad does. And the son leaves, goes to a distant land, and he spends it all on wild living and just blows it all. And he is at the lowest of lows, doing the most humiliating work there is in that day just to have something to eat. But even then, he's looking at the food that he's using to, sit, to feed the pigs and thinks, I could eat that. I'm so hungry. But he comes to his senses and decides to go back to his dad and ask if he can just have a job and just to be an employee in the house. But here's where we get back to connecting it to the coin and the sheep, is that the father was waiting and watching. The father was looking for his son. Do you catch that? The shepherd went looking for the sheep. The woman went looking for her coin. She searched the whole house. And the dad, who let his son disrespect him and run away to a faraway country, he was looking for him. The shepherd didn't say, well, you know, good thing I still have 99 sheep. I'm doing, I mean, if you've got 99 sheep, you lose one, I'm saying that's a pretty good shepherd. Maybe I'm not speaking with the intelligence, but I feel like that's a pretty good deal there. The woman didn't say, hey, I still got $2,700 here. Let's party. And the father didn't say, you know, at least I have one good son who loves me and respects me and is here with me out in the field doing the work that I have asked him to. The father went looking for him and saw him coming from far away, and he ran to meet him. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son was only able to get out, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He acknowledged his condition. And the son had a whole speech planned, just asking to be made a servant in the house again, just so he can have something to eat, just the basic necessities. But before he can say any more, the father puts a robe on him, sandals on his feet, and a ring on his finger. And that ring was a sign of great affection. 
It was also a symbol of being placed in an office of authority. Like among the wealthy and, that was, and the rich, that was a, a very big sign of dignity. So the ring was placed on his hand and showing the great affection the father had towards him. It even announced that once again, the son was reinvested in the inheritance of the family. So he was going to get his half again. So the father ran to meet him. He put some drip on him. That's a word you learn when you're in student ministry. Drip is good clothes, so there you go. Uh, so he put some drip on him. He gives him the family credit card, guys. I've heard that's what the ring described as. Is it was like a credit card. He could go into the market and he could purchase thing with the crest, with the family business. Like, I have the family's business credit card, and I'm going to put that on there. So he got the family credit card that's probably a pretty high limit being the business. Then his dad kills the choicest cow and serves the biggest steak dinner at the biggest party. And I don't know how to modernize that or try to help us relate to it any more than saying, you got the family credit card, you got some nice clothes, and he got a steak dinner. Maybe you're like me, though, and when somebody's like, hey, we want to celebrate, we're going out for steak dinner, I'm like, okay, could we do tacos? Um, so I maybe we modernize it a little bit in your frame. What is the food that you would most be excited about? And it was the fattest, choicest cow, which means it's the best, juiciest, greasiest chorizo tacos ever. All right. So the son isn't just accepted back as an employee. He's not just accepted back into the family even. He is celebrated. The coin wasn't just put back in the purse, and the sheep wasn't just put back with the 99. Mercy would be just accepting the son back and making him, not making him grovel. That would be mercy. And that's what the father did. And like I said, the son had that whole speech plan, but before he could make it, the father was celebrating. And the shepherd and the woman call others to celebrate with them. That, that is grace. And you have grace, and there's nothing you can do about it. So last month, I was at uh, Christ and Youth Move, a high school conference, a week-long high school conference on a college campus that they run nationally. It has great programming, great lessons and everything. And at that week, we went through these three parables. Um, a couple more. The Rocky Path was the first day, and I forget what the last day was. I should remember it. But we went through these three, went through and order a bunch of parables. And I thought it was cool when looking at Core 52 again, like, oh, I'm teaching on grace, and oh, I should use Luke 15 in the parables? Yes. Um, and at Christ and Youth, they sent us out materials to prepare for the week with the students. And in there, it said, we will be talking about the parable of the prodigal son. During youth group time, we're encouraging groups to celebrate those who come home. Start thinking of ways to celebrate with your group. So when I read that, my mind says the same thing that I'm sure you all thought when you hear that we're supposed to celebrate. Confetti cannon, right? I mean, that's obviously what you were thinking. You're like, oh, we're supposed to celebrate? Okay, confetti cannon. All right, well, our student ministry assistant, Sarah Bynum, who did all the work preparing and had read through these materials, she read it and did not think confetti cannon. And when I said, oh, I'm picking up confetti cannon, she said, Matt, you're crazy. But then, the night that they were speaking on these and they were talking about the love the father had, I loved that when this father pointed out this point, he said that the father's love exceeds. <laughs> the father's love exceeds expectations. Guys, I just want to say thank you to King Grial for vacuuming up all the confetti from her service just so you guys didn't know that was coming, but... Um, and apologize to the sound guy because they're like, how loud are you going to get? I forgot to mention confetti cannon. Um, all right. The father's love exceeds expectations. You have grace and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to obtain it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. You have grace. And that night, 
they were like, we're going to have a dance party later on, like at the big thing. And so our students are all evening are like, can we go to the dance party? And I'm like, guys, there's no dance party. Yeah, they said from the stage, and we're like, all of our leaders were in the same leaders' meetings they did every morning. We're like, I don't know what dance party they're talking about. There's no dance party planned, is there? We're like, no, okay. So then finally, one of the guys like, can I go look? We're like, fine, go, go look. Guys, there's a dance party out there. We went out, and sure enough, there was this impromptu dance party that they didn't tell anybody else was coming. And I'm convinced they did that because they were like, oh, are you telling me none of the groups really thought of confetti cannons except for that one? So they had to celebrate some way. you got to celebrate big. I love that thought, that the Father's love far exceeds our expectations. And that's just God's character. And that son who had said to his dad, hey, I wish you were dead. Can I have, all my, can I have my inheritance now? I think we'd be better off that way. That son know, knew that it was in his, his dad's character, his father's character, that there was grace. So that is also what gave him the confidence to come back to his father and to say, hey, I messed up. Can I come back to the just to be a, an employee. He knew he could come back because he knew that was his father's characteristic. And that's what God's character is too. That's who he is. He is full of grace. In Exodus, the second book of the Bible, God is getting ready to give Moses the Ten Commandments and he comes down and it says he stands there with Moses and he introduces himself and he says, let me introduce myself. This is my character. He says, here's who I am. And he says, passes in front of him, says, the Lord, the Lord, Okay, when it says the Lord, the Lord, he's saying Yahweh, Yahweh. He's saying his name, which is I am. He's like, what's your name? I am. I am that I am. I am the supreme being. I am the creator. He says, I am the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. I am gracious. I am full of grace. It's who God is. It's his character. It's how God starts by introducing himself. It's how he describes himself. And in the book of Psalms, we get to see what that means for man. Because over 40 times, people cry out for grace when they're sick, when they're in danger, when they're in exile. And in Psalm 86, when they're just tired and worn out. They know that God is full of grace and that it can and that it should be asked for. So in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find the grace to help us in our time of need. So in this idea, to come before the throne of grace is to come before the king who's all-powerful, who has the right to demand anything he wants. Like, you walk in the door, you've seen this in movies, where it's like, it's the king, I'm going to go ask the king for something. I don't know what kind of mood he's going to be in, what happened at breakfast, did somebody throw off his groove, what's going to happen? And so he comes before the king, and the king sees him with favor and welcomes him. It says, hey, you're my friend. You are valued. I'm glad you're here. And this king is a king, as it says here in Hebrews, what it's saying is that this, we have a high priest who has experienced everything we have. And so talk about understanding the need for grace. Jesus knows the grace that we need for our lives every day. Now, the Bible Project says this idea of grace can also be translated favor. Grace and favor. We may not think they're very similar words in English, but in the Hebrew, it captures both of those meanings. And let me kind of walk through it with you, that grace is a gift, and favor can mean to be gifted. Something can be gifted, or we are gifted. Favor can be something that I give the gift of my attention or goodwill. It can be something that you even experience and have it and see it as a gift and see it as, as favorable. So we have grace, and there's nothing we can do about it. And the, the focus of the word grace isn't just on the object. 
It's, on how, it's how it's perceived by the eyes of the observer. I'm a big fan of the New York Mets. That is not a popular thing. So when I look at the home run derby tomorrow and I expect to see Pete Alonso, you know, re repeat and get his third home run derby title in a row, most people are like, what? I know I'm in a basketball town. I had a great analogy. It took too long. Um, first service. So, but even when it comes to the punk rock, I mean, most people don't see beauty in punk rock. I see beauty in that. So it's not, the beauty isn't dependent on the object. It's, it's based on how we see it and that it generates favorable response. So when I look at it, I'm like, I want more of that. There are new MXPX socks. I want those ones. I want to show the world. I want to put stickers on things. We wear brands. We, we, we celebrate what we experience in life and have favor for. We post on social media the things that we see as favorable and see as a gift. So when you see something of beauty, it offers a gift to the world and it inspires people to respond and it makes you happy, puts you in a good mood, makes you want to spread the love, so to speak. Like when one person raised their hands and says like, that's, I'm impressed that you have MXPX up there. I thought that was amazing. And so when we talk about spreading the love, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the following verses after Ephesians 2.8, because in the NIV, Ephesians verse 2.8 ends with a hyphen for crying out loud. So, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So not only is Ephesians verse 2.8 an MXPX song that made me excited, Ephesians verse 2.10 is a verse that there is an MIV translation for. That stands for the Matt International Version. I don't know if you guys do this, anyone else? I like to like deep dive a verse sometimes and like find out what does that really mean? And like what's the Greek? And like how do I understand that? How would that translate to me? And I'm not trying to twist it to be what I want. It's just something that's important and it, I want to make it more personal. So I sometimes deep dive them. And this is, I think, the only verse I know that I saw. When I was, this is the only verse I've ever like written down in my like Google Notes app, like what the translation was, because I had fun with it. Um, but when you look at this, the idea of God's handiwork, that word is, is poem. We are God's poetry shared with the world. And so when I think about it as that, in that term, I think of this and say that we are God's love song to the world. We are God's love song to be shared with the world. Like that's the whole point is we're supposed to be sharing that and singing that out. Like that's the point of a love song that you write. And, Music, again, punk rock, and just rock for every song is about a girl, and you write it about love, and you want the world to know. We are God's love song to the world. That's our purpose in Jesus Christ. Now, Mark Moore, the author of Core 52, says that works are the results of salvation. They're not the cause that gets you saved. We have grace, and there's nothing we can do about it. But because we have grace, we should be inspired to make Jesus famous. You have grace. There's nothing you can do about it. You are saved to make Jesus famous. And that's what the king asks. That's what the father asks. Grace is like a gift. Like you open up your Starbucks app and you're like, I got $100 free. That's amazing. Or you get an email from Chick-fil-A that says, here's a little thing from us to you. And what if it wasn't just free delivery, guys? What if, I know. What if it was like, you got a tray of 100 nuggets free? What would you do? You would call your friends. You can't eat all that. You'd say, come celebrate with me. I was given 100 free nuggets. Emily Bedwell's husband, Tim Bedwell, is our video director. And when I mentioned that to him, he goes, I don't know. You don't have to eat it all at once. So <laughs> maybe you don't call your friends. You save it. That's up to you. Um, but man, you celebrate. The deeper the appreciation, the louder the praise. 
And sometimes is there any deeper hole to be dug out of than the ones that we make for ourselves? Like a prodigal son who wasted everything, who didn't have anything to eat. He was feeding pigs. I heard it pointed out at CIY that like they don't even, the Jews didn't even eat pigs. So like why were they raising pigs? Like you talk about the lowest of lows. Like you think we give pigs slop whatever when we're eating them. What do you feed them when you're not eating them and you don't really have any desire for them? And this is what the prodigal son sat there and looked at and thought, man, I'm so hungry. I could eat that stuff that we're feeding pigs right now. But he comes to his senses and he says, no, 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 I should just go back to my father and ask to be one of his employees. You think that redemption story has some power to it? I mean, I've dug myself some holes in life a few times and had to be bailed out of, and I'm still extremely grateful for all those that participated and helped. So what kind of holes have you dug? What kind of messes have we been bailed out of? God's pretty amazing. I like Bob Goff points out, a Christian author points out, he says, grace means we don't need to airbrush our lives to make them look perfect when they're not. There is nothing that you have done that makes you unlovable or unforgivable in God's eyes. We can't be led away by the idea that wealth or culture or anything less than God's gift of Jesus Christ can fill our biggest need. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Obedience should be our response to grace. And it's that kind of appreciation that makes the second half of the book of Ephesians really easy to accept. The first half is about the unity and the body of Christ, but the second half, Paul reminds them that now that you belong to Christ, you're to live differently. We're to make Jesus famous, but we're also to distance ourselves from the immorality and to strive for spiritual purity. Because of that favor and faith in the gift of God, we trust in faith. So what about that grace that we have? How are you going to live differently in the response to the grace God has for you? That God, is, God can't wait to celebrate you. That the Father is waiting and watching, full of grace, looking with favor for his child to come back, to not to be lost and separated from the family. He wants to put a ring on your finger. He wants to restore you to your place in the family and to share again in the great inheritance of heaven. He wants to give you access to everything the Father has through the Holy Spirit. So you have favor. You have grace. God sees you and he sees something good and he has favor. He has grace for you. And yeah, I stole this from CIY, but I want to give you something to remind you that and to make it easier. We're going to move into response time here in a few minutes, and there are rings at the response table. Emily's going to tell you more details about it, so there's still time, but there's rings at that table. And I want you to take one of those rings and put it on your finger, because God liked it, so he put a ring on it. You have grace. <laughs> Sean told me not to say that. Uh, you have grace. You, but you have grace. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it or to obtain it. You have grace. And this ring is a reminder that you are good, that God sees you and sees favor. And that we have an opportunity to, mo to go make Jesus famous. If you're asked, tell him it's because you have grace. No matter where, where you are, no matter what you've done, God sees favor in you. You have favor with God and so do they. So maybe it's extending grace to someone else. Don't be afraid to take this ring off and share it with somebody to tell them. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to obtain it or deserve it. God freely offers salvation through Jesus' death on the cross. Now in the story of the son, there was another son who hadn't said the most hurtful thing possible to his dad and left and wasted his inheritance. 
There was a son who remained close to the father and was out in the field working when his, son, when his brother returned home and got a big party thrown for him. That son out in the field had a ring on his finger. He had the family credit card. He had access to everything of the father's. And that's something to celebrate and to make famous too. Something to remember also. But as these parables really say, what we want to do is celebrate when those that are lost are found. The coin, the sheep, the son. Celebrate that we're to seek the lost to celebrate and to run and bring them back to the family. So this morning, if you've never accepted this grace and trusted in Jesus for salvation, guys, I got more party cannons. We can exceedingly celebrate your decision today in baptism to identify with his death and resurrection that takes away our sins. After the 11 o'clock, there are a couple of baptisms, so I bought a couple more, and I like to think I'm an optimist, so I bought a couple more. And we would love to do this. Ken would love to vacuum again all of this confetti up here. But there are many ways to respond, and then Emily's going to share those. But the band's going to play a song that I asked uh, just to kind of share too that celebrates that we are saved by grace and grace alone, that we're children of God by grace and grace alone. And you don't have to sing along. If you're familiar with it, feel free. But really, it's just a time to let the song wash over us and to be reminded the grace and the love that the Father has for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you saw us so favorable and so good and so worthy that you sent your son to die for us. God, I can't imagine what that love looks like that you have for us to sacrifice a child. But God, you knew it was the only way God, you love us that much as your children also. So God, we thank you for saving us, for seeing good in us. And we want to let the world know about Jesus and in his name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.